0: Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Luke 1, verses 57 to 66, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Luke. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Luke, chapter 1, verses 57 to 66. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. This is the word of the Lord. We have in this passage the history of a birth, the birth of a burning and shining light in the church, the forerunner of Christ himself, John the Baptist. The language in which the Holy Spirit describes the event is well worthy of remark. It is written that the Lord showed great mercy to Elizabeth. There was mercy in bringing her safely through her time of trial. There was mercy in making her the mother of a living child. Happy are those family circles whose births are viewed in this light as special instances of the mercy of the Lord. We see in the conduct of Elizabeth's neighbors and cousins a striking example of the kindness we owe to one another. It is written that they rejoiced with her. How much more happiness there would be in this evil world if conduct like that of Elizabeth's relatives were more common. Sympathy in one another's joys and sorrows costs little, and yet it is a grace of most mighty power. Like the oil on the wheels of some large engine, it may seem a trifling and unimportant thing, yet in reality it has an immense influence on the comfort and well-working of the whole machine of society. A kind word of congratulation or consolation is seldom forgotten. The heart that is warmed by good tidings, or chilled by affliction, is particularly susceptible, and sympathy to such a heart is often more precious than gold." The servant of Christ will do well to remember this grace. It seems a little one. And amid the din of controversy, the battle about mighty doctrines, we are sadly apt to overlook it. Yet it is one of those pins of the tabernacle which must not be left in the wilderness. It is one of those ornaments of the Christian character which make it beautiful in the eyes of men. Let us not forget that it is enforced upon us by a special precept, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Romans 12.15 The practice of it seems to bring down a special blessing. The Jews who came to comfort Mary and Martha at Bethany saw the greatest miracle that Jesus ever worked. Above all, it is commended to us by the most perfect example. Our Lord was ready both to go to a marriage feast and to weep at a grave. John 2 and John 11 Let us be ever ready to go and do likewise. We see in the conduct of Zechariah in this passage a striking example of the benefit of affliction. He resists the wishes of his relatives to call his newborn son after his own name. He clings firmly to the name John, by which the angel Gabriel had commanded him to be called. He shows that his nine months' muteness had not been inflicted on him in vain. He is no longer faithless but believing. He now believes every word that Gabriel had spoken to him, and every word of his message shall be obeyed. We need not doubt that the past nine months had been most profitable time to the soul of Zechariah. He had learned, probably, more about his own heart and about God than he had ever known before. His conduct shows it. Correction had proved instruction. He was ashamed of his unbelief. Like Job, he could say, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Like Hezekiah, when the Lord left him, he had found out what was in his heart job forty two five and second chronicles thirty two thirty one Let us take heed that affliction does us good as it did to Zechariah. We cannot escape trouble in a sin-laden world; Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upwards job five seven but in the time of our trouble, let us make earnest prayer that we may hear the rod and who Has appointed it, that we may learn wisdom by the rod and not harden our hearts against God. Sanctified afflictions, says an old divine, are spiritual promotions. The sorrow that humbles us and drives us nearer to God is a blessing and a downright gain. No case is more hopeless than that of the man who, in time of affliction, turns his back against God. There is a dreadful mark set against one of the kings of Judah. In his time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. Second Chronicles twenty eight twenty two. We see in the early history of John the Baptist the nature of the blessing that we should desire for all young children. We read that the hand of the Lord was with him. We are not told distinctly what these words mean. We are left to gather their meaning from the promise that went before John before his birth, and the life that John lived all his days. But we need not doubt that the hand of the Lord was with John to sanctify and to renew his heart, to teach and fit him for his office, to strengthen him for all his work as the forerunner of the Lamb of God, to encourage him in all his bold denunciation of men's sins, and to comfort him in his last hours when he was beheaded in prison. We know that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, We need not doubt that from his earliest years the grace of the Holy Spirit appeared in his ways. In his boyhood as well as his manhood, the constraining power of a mighty principle from above appeared to him. That power was the hand of the Lord. This is the portion we ought to seek for our children. It is the best portion, the happiest portion, the only portion that can never be lost and will endure beyond the grave. It is good to have over them the hand of teachers and instructors, but it is better still to have the hand of the Lord. May we be thankful if they obtain the patronage of great and the rich, but we ought to care far more for their obtaining the favor of God. The hand of the Lord is a thousand times better than that of the hand of Herod. The one is weak, foolish, and uncertain, caressing today and beheading tomorrow. The other is almighty, all-wise, and unchangeable. Where it holds, it holds forever. Let us bless God that the Lord never changes. What he was in John the Baptist's day, he is now. What he did for the son of Zechariah, he can do for our boys and girls. But he waits to be entreated. If we would have the hand of the Lord with our children, we must diligently seek it. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory. In considering what we have just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? Ryle says that sympathy in one another's joys and sorrows costs little, and yet is a grace of most mighty power. When was the last time we rejoiced with those who rejoice and mourned with those who mourned? Do we run to or from these opportunities? Second, can we call our sanctified afflictions a spiritual promotion? When afflictions of various kinds come, are we quick to turn our face toward God in trust or our backs to him in rejection? Third, For those listening who are parents and grandparents, do we truly desire the hand of the Lord to be with our children and grandchildren? Are we diligent to ask this for them?